Scripture reading this evening will be read from Exodus chapter 17, verses 8 through 12. Exodus chapter 17, verses 8 through 12. Now Amalek came out and fought with Israel in Rephidim. And Moses said to Joshua, Choose us some men and go out, fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And so it was, when Moses held up his hand, that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands became heavy, so they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. And Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one, one, on one side and the other on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. Good evening and welcome. We're glad that you're here tonight. We're going to be looking at the passage read just a moment ago by Austin, Exodus chapter 17, verses 8 through 16. Before we get started tonight, I do want to express appreciation to each of you for your presence tonight. It has been a great day, and we're grateful to those who responded to the invitation. We're very thankful that we have a new brother in Christ, and we're grateful for the dedication of Danny and Baylor and their desire to be more involved or active in the body of Christ. And to Landon, we want to encourage him and support him as he begins his Christian life. As we look at Exodus chapter 17, we want to think tonight about the importance of support by other people within the body of Christ. We're going to be talking tonight about how we ought to be grateful for supportive saints. In living the Christian life, sometimes we face difficulties, trials, temptations, discouraging times, and thus we need a word of encouragement. There are times when we need somebody to stand by us and try to motivate us through the ordeal that we are facing. And so as we look at Exodus chapter 17, we really have an account of Moses having those who stood by him and literally held up his hands. The Hebrew writer said in Hebrews chapter 12 at verse 12, strengthen the hands of them which hang down and the feeble knees. I don't know anyone that does not need support and encouragement in life. It's hard to sail through life without some type of difficulty, facing stormy seas from time to time. And so as we think about living the Christian life, I think all of us would agree that we need the support of one another. And the beauty of the body of Christ is that we are there for one another. And we seek to support, encourage one another. I want us to begin tonight by looking, first of all, at the battle that is outlined by Moses in verses 8 through 10. Moses, of course, wrote the Pentateuch. We think about the first five books of the Old Testament. Moses was the inspired penman of these books. But as we look at the battle, here's what the record says in verse 8. Amalek fought with Israel. First you need to see the conflict that started. And then we're going to talk about the combat soldiers and then finally, the compliant soldier in this point. 
As we think about the conflict that started, Moses writes that Amalek came and fought with Israel in Rephidim. The Amalekite people were descendants of Esau. And as we begin to look back to the book of Genesis and see the descendants of Esau, we find that they were by and large a pagan people. Moses would tell us over in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 25 verses 17 and 18 that they attacked the children of Israel as they came out of Egypt. Furthermore, Moses said they did not fear God. One of the things that comes to my mind as I consider their ancestry is the fact that like father, like son. When you look at the Amalekite people, it's not surprising that they didn't fear God. I mean, after all, Esau, it was said, sold his birthright for pottage, didn't he? Sometimes people have misplaced values, and those values are misplaced because they put more emphasis on the material, the carnal side of life, rather than the spiritual. I think that was the case with Esau in many respects. But nonetheless, as we think about this conflict, I would suggest that there is an ever-present conflict. It, there, as a matter of fact, if you go back and you look at, at Genesis chapter 3 and going forward, you'll find that there has been a conflict between Satan and the human family. And this conflict is expressed in many ways. Consider, if you would, the fact that there's a conflict between good and evil, between truth and error, between light and darkness. When you boil it all down, good and evil, truth and error, light and darkness cannot coexist. Paul would say in Romans chapter 12 at verse 21, be not overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. The Bible tells us in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 that we are to abstain from the very appearance of evil. Paul would go on to say, prove all things, hold fast that which is good. And then in 1 John chapter 4 verse 6, John talks about the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. And then with regard to light and darkness, Paul would write to the church at Ephesus and say, you were once darkness, but now, he said, you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. In verse 11, Paul would say, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. As I think about the conflict that ensued between the Amalekites and the Israelite people, I'm reminded of the fact that we as children of God today, that we are at war with Satan, and that there are conflicts that arise because of our Christian belief system, because of our value system, because we choose to do that which is right and honorable and noble and good. We're followers of truth. And when Paul said that we are to reprove those that are in darkness, no doubt, that can bring about any number of problems. But then note, if you would, the combat soldiers. In verse 9, Moses said to Joshua, and Joshua, I think about 
a man who had the opportunity to step into the role of a leader on behalf of God's people at the death of Moses. And so Joshua was trained well. Sometimes we refer to Joshua as a general, a commander. And so here's what was encouraged by Moses. Choose us some men. And then he said, go out and fight. Let me just pause here and make this observation. You need, first of all, the right soldiers, don't you? Listen to what Moses said again. Choose us some men, not just any men, but rather when I think about somebody who is going to war, somebody that's going to engage in conflict, then I automatically think about a superior officer choosing the right kind of men, men of character and valor, men of courage and commitment, men of conviction, if you please. Paul, in writing to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2, would say, endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. He would talk about waging a good warfare, so anytime we think about meeting the enemy, whether it's spiritual or whatever, we need the right kind of soldier. The church today needs faithful soldiers. You see, as God's people, we are in the Lord's army. And we march according to his cadence, according to his commands. We strive to the best of our ability to follow our commander-in-chief, that being the Lord Jesus Christ. He is, after all, the King of kings and Lord of Lords. And then the second thing you need is the right strategy. Moses instructed Joshua to choose us some men. And then he said, go out and fight with Amalek. <clears throat> Tomorrow, he said, I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses said to him, and fought with Amalek, and Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. Note, if you would, how every person had a place. We talk about choosing the right soldiers and having the right kind of strategy. The beauty of this conflict that is spoken of by Moses is the fact that you see how every person had his part in this conflict. Within the church today, every person has a part. When I think about the church overall, I understand that Paul said there are many members but one body in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. You have a place in the kingdom of God. You are, a you are a valuable component in the body of Christ. We need your help. Now you have to prepare yourself and you have to be willing to sign on or enlist if you please in the army of Almighty God. But the idea is that there is a place of service, there is a place for you to serve in the kingdom of God. All of these men had their place. All of these men were willing to stand up and be a part of this fight. And then there, there is what I call the compliant soldier. In verse 10 again, the Bible says, Joshua did as Moses said to him. Now just think about that for a minute. Here is Joshua, General 
Joshua, and he is listening to his superior, isn't he? He's taking instruction, and he's following commands. Is it not the case that in the church today that we have to be willing to be submissive and follow our leaders? That we have to be supportive of them? That we have to obey them, Paul would say, or the Hebrew writer would say in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17, obey them that have the rule over you. In other words, be submissive to them. Ultimately, our leader is the Lord Jesus Christ. And he leads us by his word. And then we have elders functioning as leaders of a local church. And we follow in their footsteps. But then note, if you would, the burden. In verse 12, listen to what is recorded. And so it was when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands became heavy or tired. So they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. And Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. How long do you think you could hold your hands up? Have you ever tried that? When you go home tonight, hold your hands up and see how long you can stand with your hands outstretched. You know what's going to happen? It won't be long until you get tired. And you'll do one of two things. You will either find something to prop up your hands or you'll drop them. Why? Because they become heavy. They become, it becomes tiresome, doesn't it? Well, what we have really is the fatigue of Moses. You see, everybody has their place. Everybody has their part. We all have a function. Moses, Aaron, Hur, Joshua, the foot soldiers, everybody had his part. But they still needed one another. They still needed one another's support, didn't they? I think about how sometimes, despite the admonition, we grow weary doing what is good, don't we? Do you remember what Paul said in Galatians chapter 6 at verse 9? He said, be not weary in doing good. For we shall reap in due season if we faint not. In writing to the church at Thessalonica, Paul would make a similar statement over in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. When he talked about not being weary in well-doing. We're involved in living the Christian life. And as children of God and as servants of the Lord Jesus Christ, as we strive to make our mark in this world for good, sometimes we feel defeated, don't we? You ever feel defeated? You ever feel like somebody got the best of you? You ever feel like life got the best of you? Have you ever felt like the devil got the best of you? Note again what is said in the record. Beginning in verse 11. So it was when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. When he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. What happened? What was going on? 
As long as his hands were held high, the children of God were winning the conflict. But as he became weary and the hands dropped, what happened? They were being defeated. As God's people, sometimes we feel defeated. We feel like the devil got the best of us. And then I think about how there are times in life when we get discouraged. You ever get discouraged? You ever feel like giving up, throwing in the towel, saying I've had enough? There are lots of areas of life where this is applicable. Sometimes athletes feel like giving up. They've gone as far as they can go. They've done their very best and they just feel like giving up, walking away from it. They've had enough. There are some people in the realm of academics. They have pushed it as far as they could. They said, you know what, I've had enough. I'm quitting. And then there are people within the body of Christ, members of the church, that get discouraged. And they give up. In Hebrews chapter 12, the writer talks about how we ought to look back to those Old Testament saints Men and women who live by faith, who look for a city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. And then he encourages every person to look at Jesus, the author and finisher, finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. And the writer said, despising the shame, and is sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. In verse 3, he makes an interesting statement. He talks about how it's possible for us to become weary and discouraged in our souls. You ever, have you ever been discouraged? Let me tell you what, I have been discouraged before. I have felt discouraged in a lot of different things before. Why is that? Because I'm a human being. And so sometimes as we strive to do what's right and live the Christian life, we become discouraged. We become discouraged when members of the body of Christ engage in petty arguments and can't settle the differences. It's discouraging when people that have obeyed the gospel of Christ and ought to love one another demonstrate contempt, ill will, and malice toward one another. It's discouraging when people who are members of the body of Christ who ought to know better find themselves back out in the world living like the world. They've gone back into a state of corruption. It's discouraging. It's discouraging when people don't come back on Sunday night and Wednesday night. I know I ought to be saying that to the people on Sunday morning. I'm just telling you the truth. It's discouraging. I mean, we have the same worship service, don't we? Anything changed? Not that I'm aware of. So it's discouraging. It's, it's discouraging when people that could be active and involved and workers in the kingdom of God do little or nothing. You ever heard of the 80-20 rule? You know what that is? 20% of the people do 80% of the work. Are you among the 20 or 80 percentile? 
Think about that for a minute. And then I think how sometimes we feel a measure of disgust. In the days of Jeremiah, Jeremiah asked the question, were they ashamed when they committed these abominations? His response, no, they were not at all ashamed. Neither could they blush. Sometimes people choose to live a lifestyle that is revolting. It's disgusting. And there are times when people in the church go back to the world. And they start living like the world. They drink. They smoke. They gamble. They live with one another. But they do things that are out of harmony with the will of God. And so, yes, we can become fatigued like Moses. But then note, if you would, the good fortune of Moses. Again, verse 12. The Bible says that Moses' hands became heavy or tired. So they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. And Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on either side and the other on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. Aren't you grateful for people that are willing to stand by you and support you? when you feel weary and tired and fatigued? Look at Moses. Moses, he has his part in this conflict. What he needed was support. Thank God for Aaron and her. Very little is said in scripture about her. But here we have this man of God standing on one side of Moses and holding up his hand. Let me tell you what, I don't care what your, what your job is in the body of Christ. I don't care how minute you may think that job is. It's important. Whatever you do for the sake of the kingdom of God, it is important. There are no big eyes and little U's in the kingdom. Everybody's needed. And we have the opportunity to support one another, to encourage one another, to pray for one another. Think about what Paul said in Galatians chapter 6, verse 2. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Again, I think about the words of the Hebrew writer in chapter 12, verse 12, when he said, Strengthen the hands that hang down, and the feeble knees. And there are times when a card of encouragement, a phone call, a visit, will make all the difference in the world. There are times when somebody will stop by and just say, you know what, I'm praying for you. Makes all the difference in the world. There are ways that we can be supportive of one another. Solomon talks about in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 24, that there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Is it not the case that we are brothers and sisters in, in Christ? That we are knit together, are bound together, by common faith, we are people of like precious faith, as Peter would say. And so we have the opportunity to be there for one another, to be supportive of one another in times of heartache and trial and temptation when the burdens of life seem overwhelming. If you live long enough, 
You'll have your day. You'll face your burdens. And you'll be blessed when people stand by you. There's a third thing I want you to see very quickly. And that is the blessing. Note if you would, verse 13. So Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. The mastery of Israel. What did Joshua do? As a general, he led them to victory, didn't he? Here were God's people and they were triumphant. What a great blessing. But then I want you to also see the memorial to Israel. The Lord said to Moses, write this for a memorial in the book. I think he's talking about the scriptures. In other words, this account is being preserved. Why? To encourage, to inspire, to motivate, to comfort us. Remember what Paul said in Romans chapter 15 verse 4? Whatsoever things were written before time were written for our learning. That we through patience and comfort of the scriptures, listen to him, might have hope. When you read this account and you think about Moses and how weary and tired he became. And then you have Aaron on one side and her on the other and they're holding up his hands. And ultimately Israel is victorious. That's inspiring. You know what God wants? God wants you to cross the finish line as a victor. God is interested in you winning the Christian race. God wants to bestow on you the crown of life, the Stephanos, the victor's crown. When people are successful in the realm of athletics, they are successful because they are willing to endure the pain and the trials and the tears the aches and the pains. They are willing to stay in the race or stay in that competition, come what may. They're not willing to give up. Same, same is true for us today as Christians. We're in this thing for the long haul. You've got to look at things from the vantage point of eternity and say, look, I don't care what comes my way, I may get beaten down. I may get beaten up, but I'm in this thing till the very end. As Jesus said, be faithful until death. The promise being the crown of life. Here's what James said in chapter 1, verse 12. Blessed is the man that endures temptation. For when he has been tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to them that love him. Now, the Lord said to Moses, Write this for a memorial in the book and recount it in the hearing of Joshua that I will utterly blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called its name, The Lord is my banner. For he said, Because the Lord has sworn, the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. Now you remember over in 1 Samuel chapter 15, God made some very specific instructions, or gave some very specific instructions to King Saul. Samuel came on the scene and God said, all right, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go and to utterly destroy the Amalekites. The very people we're talking about right now. The problem, however, King Saul did not listen to what God said to do. He spared Agag, the king, and the choicest of the spoils of the people. 
And as a result of that, all it did was create a lot of problems. Cost him his kingship. But nonetheless, think about the Amalekite people. They lifted their hand against Almighty God. There's a lesson there for us. Whether individually or nationally, if we lift our hand against God, we need to understand there's a payday someday. God will one day, he will, as we say, balance the scales of justice. Well, there's a payday coming someday. The Amalekites, their day was coming. Their time was coming. I want to close by asking this question. Are you willing to step up to the plate and be supportive of those around you? This is a team. We're a team. We're all in this thing together. And the only way that we can get to heaven together is by pulling for one another, praying for one another, encouraging one another, doing what Aaron and Hur did, being supportive. Maybe you're here today, you're not a Christian. Maybe you're tired of, of life and, and the problems that you have faced in life. And you're tired of living without Christ. I want to encourage you today, come to Christ. Here's what Jesus said, I am come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. You know what? You become a child of God and right off the bat, you're going to begin enjoying an abundant life, a better life, a blessed life. Here's what you need to do. Believe Jesus is the Son of God, John 8, 24. Repent of your sins, Acts 2, 38. Confess the name of Jesus, Romans 10, 9 and 10. And then be immersed in a watery grave of baptism. When you do that, the Bible says you rise to walk in newness of life. Every sin washed away, purged. You enjoy the remission of your sins, Acts 2.38. God will then add you to the church, Acts 2.47. And the promise is if you're faithful, you're heaven bound. Maybe you're here tonight, you're not faithful to the cause. For whatever reason, maybe you've given up. Maybe you've gone back into the world. Listen, we're, we would be more than happy to pray with you and for you with this assurance that God will abundantly pardon. James said, confess your faults one to another. Pray one for another. Could we do that for you tonight as we stand and sing?